0: Welcome to Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. I'm Emma. And I'm Tash. Hello. Hello. And it's just us two this week. Because Becky's dealing she's taking a bit of personal time because she's dealing with a bereavement. And we've just said, you know what? Take all the time you need. Me and Tash have got this. And Bex is perfectly happy for us to continue on. So that's what we're gonna do. We are indeed. Right.
1: She very much wants us to continue and to still enjoy making the podcast, and, well, we like to follow her wishes.
0: Indeedy doody, and we're sending her big, big loves. Yes, lots of loves
1: to you, Becky, and we do miss you.
0: Oh, yes, of course, it won't be the same without her, but hopefully in the next few weeks she will be back. Yep. And in the meanwhile, we've got this, right, Tash? Oh, yeah, we've got it, we've got it. I mean, the singing's still there, so... always. Always. Anything exciting happened, happen, Tash, this week?
1: Well, i actually got a new microphone to record, so let's see how that goes.
0: That's big news.
1: Big news. Uh, we also joined some fellow podcasters.
0: Oh, that was so much fun. Which was
1: so much fun. So big shout out to Brian and Eric. Thank you so much for having us. We had an absolute blast.
0: Their podcast is Brian and Eric Don't Belong Here, I think. Is that right? Yes, I believe I can. That I, I is never it. know if it's Brian and Eric or Eric and Brian, but I'm pretty sure. I think it's Brian, Brian. and Eric. I think you start
1: with. Um, you do it in alphabetical order, don't you?
0: I have no idea. But it was very, it was very good, and their podcast. I don't know why I don't can't remember what it's called because I listen to their podcast all the time. Yeah.
1: No, you you've got it right. It's just Brain Frog.
0: <laughs> yeah. Brain Frog. Yes, it
1: is exactly. Brian and Eric. It is Brian yeah, it and is.
0: Eric. So thanks for having us on and I think their show is probably coming out sometime in August so we'll post the links so you guys can have a listen. We had a great time.
1: We did and we hope to have them join us maybe on like a Chills and Kills or something.
0: I think do a big one. I think, well, if there's going to be five of us, we might as well just go for the whole hog, right?
1: I mean, but great. So much fun. Yeah, definitely. Let's do it.
0: But we will ha- we'll have a fun episode with them on because I feel like, yeah, they just... Uh, we just clicked, didn't we?
1: Yeah, definitely. They were so much fun. I literally had so much fun. Like, sad they live so far because let's be friends.
0: <laughs> it was a bit like, we should all go to a bar together. Yes, definitely.
1: <laughs> yes. So if anyone else wants to have us on their podcast, <laughs> we are game.
0: If you're fun. Like, if
1: you're fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're fun. I,
0: I, w- I would not have us on a serious podcast. Oh, no, no, no. You
1: have to be down with, like, innuendos Laughing about people's names and singing.
0: Yeah, (laughs) badly.
1: (laughs) Speak for yourself.
0: Oh, absolutely, darling. Your voice is like a goddess. It is, okay? (laughs) It is, it is. It's uh, just me that sounds like a dying cat, but hey. oh
1: No, you don't. Behave.
0: Just a very sick one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this week I actually had prepared because last week we were talking about people eating mummies. We were. Which is disgusting. Horrendous. I thought people actually preferred to eat mummies' willies. Yes. But I'd got that mixed up with uh king. With your king...
1: like to eat penises.
0: No! <laughs> <laughs> For God's sake. So first it's fingering, now it's penises. <laughs> you
1: keep bringing it all up.
0: <laughs> we do seem to circle round to it a lot, but Yeah. So yes, no, I actually found out that it was King Tutun Tutun Tutankhamun, who was uh mummified with an erect penis. Sorry, is that how we say his name? I don't know. How do you say his name? Tutankhamun. Tutankhamun. No, but I might be wrong. Isn't that what I said? I don't know what you said. Tutankhamun. Yes. That's that's all I'm going to say now. Tutankhamun. That's how you're saying it. But anyway, it's dead easy because his nickname is King Tut.
1: Oh, is it? Not Big Dick.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I thought because he has a very, very famous curse attached to him while his mummy so i thought i'd do a story on king tut's curse or the pharaoh's curse yes and we haven't done a curse before we haven't and i am a fan of a curse and this will probably involve me saying the word sarcophagus. Oh, say it again, <laughs> sarcophagus. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very proud that I've actually mastered that now. Yeah,
1: you have. Have you noticed? Up till now, I've never actually said that word. Yeah, I just let you and Becky carry that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She says esophagus. And I'm like, no, it's sarca, sarca, sarca. Yeah, and
1: I just sit back and relax. Yeah,
0: yeah, you just let us get on with it. But it is sarcophagus. See, third time. Well done. Boom. Nailing it.
1: You are risking a curse, though, by saying it three times in a row.
0: I'm not looking in a mirror or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so can we just talk about how weird it is that people just opened up dead people's burial places. It's really uh, weird, isn't it? It's I so strange. I always this. Very disrespectful. It's super disrespectful. I don't even care
1: about, like... I what is the reason they're doing it?
0: Well, it's for... Uh, they're like archaeologists, aren't no, they? I mean, they, they do learn a lot of, like, how the ancient Egyptians lived and stuff. So, I... I kind of understand wanting to see that, you know, the burial tombs and stuff. I understand wanting to see all the hieroglyphics and, you know, kind of piecing together ancient Egypt's history. But at the end of the day, it is Egypt's history, So the fact that there's all these British guys just excavating and... It's just weird, isn't it? And, like, they take the bodies as well and Uh. they fuck about with the bodies. Like, well, we'll see a bit further down. It's just really strange. And obviously
1: it is interesting and loads of people are, like, proper into that kind of thing. But the world isn't a better place for it. Like, you haven't, like... Like if we didn't know it wouldn't be the end of the world do you know what i mean like no i mean i don't it know. is just very disrespectful and that's
0: i think we could get the information we need without pillaging and like basically grave robbing yeah we can still go in have a look look you know get the information the scrolls the the hieroglyphics whatever we don't need to start opening people's graves up and taking their stuff it's just I don't know. Seems It seems very weird to me. So, imagine, like, some Egyptian coming to the UK and opening up all the royal family's coffins and then just helping themselves to whatever they wanted. That'd and... be bloody
1: outrage, wouldn't there?
0: Exactly. So, yeah. It's just strange. Yeah, it is. You're right. And for me, personally, I don't think it's something that should have happened, particularly. No. But... Saying that the the discovery of King Tut's we're going to call him King Tut cuz nobody I'm not quite sure of the pronunciation now so sorry about that That's all right <laughs> Tutankhamun I can't even I don't even know what I said
1: the first time now No I think you probably say it right I just really over-enunciate things
0: I have set myself up for failure doing a story about people that lived in ancient Egypt
1: To be fair though they're not here to correct you.
0: No, but there's always somebody out there to correct but me, isn't who there? who says
1: they're right? They weren't there either.
0: Good point. If anybody comes at me, that's going to yeah. be my response. <laughs> you weren't there, were you?
1: <laughs> Suck on there.
0: <laughs> so the discovery of King Tut's tomb is considered to be one of the most important archaeological discoveries of all time. But it still seems to me to be a bit grave robbery. Do you know what I yeah. mean?
1: Yeah, it is a bit grave robbery. That is literally what they're doing. They're robbing graves. Yeah. And they're dressing it up as archaeology or whatever. I don't even know what it's called, but they're dressing it up as something it's not. But it it really is grave robbing.
0: Basically, yes.
1: And if you did that to somebody that died last week, that wouldn't be appropriate. So why is it appropriate just because they died thousands of years ago?
0: I mean, it is 3,000 years ago, but still, you know, they were people. Not only are they going into somebody's burial chamber, which is a bit shit, they're also ignoring the warnings that are written all over the walls uh, of the tombs. For for example, on King Tut's tomb, it read, Death shall approach on rapid wings to him who disrupts the king's tranquility. That seems risky. It seems pretty clear to me, yeah. the uh, the meaning of that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be doing
0: it. There's not multiple ways to take that, is there? No. Really? If I read that, I'd, I'd be like...
1: It's oh, a no from me.
0: <laughs> I'm just going to leave. Yeah. You sleep tight. Sorry, was that my taxi beeping for me? <laughs> <laughs> and if that wasn't enough, once they totally ignored that warning, once it would opened up his actual tomb, so he was actually buried in three different coffins inside the sarcophagus so, what, so it was a bit a- like russian dolls a bit like that yeah okay so once they actually got to his mummy he had a bracelet on that said cursed be he who moves my body to him shall come fire water and pestilence oh are- i don't know what pestilence are but are these people okay Pestilence is basically illness and disease. Nice. So, even after all these warnings, poor King Tut's tomb and body were tampered with. I mean, mate. You're kind <sighs> of asking for it. Yeah.
1: That, that's a lot of warning, isn't it?
0: Yeah, definitely. It is said that the, the curses were put there to stop thieves. Well, grave robbers. Yeah, raiding the tombs. Yeah. Uh, Back in the day.
1: Well, yeah. And maybe they were more uh, superstitious than perhaps modern day people are. But I I just wouldn't want to mess with it.
0: No, I'd not be ignoring that. To get to the story, I need to do a bit of history. But it's all good as the history is actually really interesting. Okay, cool. So, King Tilt was a son of, oh my God, what have I set myself up for? (laughs) Oh, I know him well. (laughs) (laughs) So he was the son of Arkenaton. Arkenaton? Yeah, go with that. That's what he was called, Arkenaton. Yeah. And his mother was only identified by DNA, and she is known as the Younger Lady. And guess what? His mum was actually his dad's full sister.
1: Nice. Listen... If it ain't broke, don't fix it. If the family's tight and sound, fuck your sister. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) No. You don't want to be bringing in people to mess up the, you know, the family atmosphere at parties. Isn't it awkward? You know, when, like, you get a new fella or a new missus and you bring them them in. You bring them into the family mix. Oh. I'm single, everyone knows I'm single, and a big part of who I choose as a partner is somebody that fits in with my family. That's really important to me. Well,
0: these guys don't have that problem. No, but they
1: already know, because they already know. The sister and the brother, they already know each other.
0: Yeah, so poor King Tut was extremely inbred. In fact, the entire royal family was inbred that's very common though isn't it for decades because they wanted to keep the lineage pure which is quite ironic because obviously it does quite the opposite yeah so king tut probably copying the worst of it as they found he had a clubbed foot that meant
1: that is not sexy
0: no he had a clubbed foot and it meant he never could walk properly Yeah. He also had degenerative bone disease. Oh, God. And severe scoliosis. And he was also suffering from malaria from a mosquito bite, which is probably what killed him in the end because his immune system was obviously pretty crap. Yeah. So King Tut did not have a nice life. King Tut was in a lot of pain Mm. all the time. Well, I
1: can imagine he was.
0: And he walked constantly with a cane. In fact, when they opened up his tomb, they found hundreds of walking canes that had been buried with him. Oh. Yeah. So after his body had been x-rayed multiple times and in more recent years, given multiple MRIs, Mm -hmm. experts say it is clear that he spent his entire, albeit short, life in pain. That's sad. That being said, tradition is tradition and he still married his paternal half-sister.
1: Paternal half sister. Okay, so his dad's daughter, but not his mum's.
0: Yep, that's yep. right. King Tut took the throne around eight or nine years old under the viziership of I. So I was his vizier. So he was probably the one kind of commanding.
1: Like Jafar in Aladdin.
0: Like Jafar in Aladdin, except he wasn't evil. At-
1: probably was evil though because he was probably well bitter he didn't have the throne and he was doing all the work
0: well this is kind i have a theory of I that he wasn't actually a very nice guy but that's just the impression i got after doing the research on it you'll see why king tut actually died at the age of 19
1: gosh so young
0: yeah i mean he was he was fucked basically yeah yeah his body was just not healthy whatsoever which is not surprising considering he came from generations and generations of inbreeding
1: yes not the one is it interbreeding
0: no definitely not i mean we've said it before haven't we don't shag your dad
1: don't shag your dad Or
0: your sister in this case. Or your sister. But, I mean, I'm pretty sure there were daughters that were married to their dads as well. Oh, yeah. They are all
1: shagging each other.
0: Yeah, I didn't go too much into it. But after what I gather, there was uh, some very close inbreeding going on there. Yeah. So he had no children as his successors, as the two daughters he did conceive with his sister both died either during pregnancy or very early after birth.
1: I mean, I say, oh, probably... I mean, I hate to say it, but probably a blessing in disguise.
0: Well, yeah, you don't know what they, you know, what kind of horrible things they would have inherited. So, yeah. So, when he died, he created quite the kerfuffle because there were no heirs. And so, it was decided that there were three possibilities either his wife remarried and that person would be king. Oh. Uh, his army commander named Horam. <laughs> For fuck's sake, why do I do this to myself? Why can't,
1: can we just give them names like Bill and Ted and Frank
0: and Gary? <laughs> I feel Gary. like I've got to, to honour them saying their names properly. Horemheb. Okay. So th- that was his...
1: Listen, none of us were there. I'm going to say it again. None of us were there <laughs> to prove us wrong.
0: All right? Horemheb. Yeah, that was his name. Or the third option was his vizier, I. Mm-hmm. Now the... He is a- rubbing his hands. Yeah, he is at this point. Now, the ancient Egyptian tradition meant that the choice had to be made within 70 days, as that was the time it took to complete the complex mummification process and prepare the burial chambers correctly. me, So his wife began to panic a bit, and she asked to marry a prince from another country that there had been military tensions with. Good girl. Let's move away from the family. Let's put yeah. another
1: family in. She knows.
0: And again... She has the hopes that this will appease, you know, the military situation yeah. they've got going on. So it was agreed with the king and he sent one of his sons, so a prince, to Egypt. However, the prince was suspiciously murdered on the way. Oh. Convenient.
1: Very suspicious. Where was I when this happened?
0: Exactly. And more, <laughs> well, more to the point, who had I spoken to? Yeah. Yeah. To make this happen. I'm not pointing any fingers, but hey, this was 3,000 years ago, so I probably can.
1: Yeah. Well, we are talking about curses.
0: Exactly. So maybe I shouldn't. Is that your point? Yeah. Don't make me paranoid. (laughs) (laughs) My anxiety can't cope. Sorry. So, the prince has been murdered. So, of course, this has now heightened the tension between the two countries and it meant that poor King Tut's wife was out of the race to keep oh, man. yeah, to keep in with the royal family. So Horemheb, being commander yeah. of the military, of course, was busy dealing with the tensions between the two countries. And yeah. he couldn't make it back in time. Okay. Again, convenient.
1: Yeah. I can just imagine someone being like harem heb you need to come we need you to be king and he's like no not now and like flop flapping them away with his hand and then like they leave and then he realizes what he's done maybe it's a nice little story that's playing out in my head right now
0: (laughs) i mean he he was so he was so dedicated to his country i suppose that he had to you know lead the military
1: yeah yeah so
0: i succeeded king tut as king of egypt Let's talk about the famous Mummy's Curse. The Mm -hmm. Valley of the Kings had been mostly excavated and explored. They had found many mentions of King Tut, but had never actually found his tomb. It was considered lost until 1922. Howard Carter, who was a British Egyptologist, discovered the lost tomb on November 4th. Like, well done to him. More than 3,000 years after King Tut's death. It was then discovered that King Tut's tomb did not look very royal at all. Oh. In fact, it was smaller and the details inside point to the whole thing being rushed, probably caused by the fact that he died young and suddenly. So his actual tomb had not been finished being prepared. I see. Yeah. It is believed that he actually was probably buried in the tomb that was intended for Ai, and that I would, after his death, be placed in King Tut's original tomb. Okay. That makes sense. I's getting the throne. Eyes getting the cool digs to be buried in. Yeah. And King Tut is getting a really shitty deal out of all this. Well, yeah. So the artifacts that were placed in King Tut's tomb were in disarray, as opposed to being carefully arranged and the walls were painted instead of being carved so right. you see they they really really took great care in preparing the ki- the pharaoh's yeah burial place oh, so yeah. i mean carving walls that's pretty time consuming
1: but i'm assuming they start doing that as soon as the king becomes king and it takes like years and years and years to complete
0: yeah 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 and um And they just didn't have time to finish it. So all in all, it sounds like King Tut got a bit of a rough deal in life and in death. Yeah. So we know Howard Carter and his team discovered the tomb. All this was financed by a Lord Carnivon. Okay. He would become the first victim of the mummy's curse. He would die only five months after the tomb's discovery. Right. And guess what he died of? Mosquito bite. Yep. An infected mosquito bite. He accidentally cut the bite while shaving and oh. this caused a blood infection. Sepsis. Yes. The second victim did not die but still suffered the wrath of the curse and all because he received a gift. A gift from who? Howard Carter gifted a mummified hand to his friend, Sir Bruce Ingram, Sorry. As a paperweight.
1: He gifted him a mummified hand. Is that like when people gift you a lucky rabbit's foot?
0: Yes, and more gross, I suppose. I mean, I'd be pretty grossed out if somebody gave me a rabbit's foot, to be fair. Somebody's given me a mummified hand, I'm like, no thanks. Yeah, I don't want a mummified hand. No, this was a paperweight, you know, nice little bit of deco. Yeah, but I feel like, just get a fake one,
1: no one's gonna know.
0: (laughs) 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 So anyway, Sir Bruce Ingham was gifted this mummified hand as a paperweight, The hand had the bracelet, as mentioned earlier. So do you remember what it said on the bracelet? Yeah,
1: no, I don't remember. But hold on, sorry. I'm just circling back to him being gifted this item. Yes. It's not his hand to gift. It's not. Chop off your own hand, mummify that, and then gift that.
0: (laughs) Quite rightly. Quite rightly so. So it said on the bracelet, anybody who disrupts my body... I mean, I don't know word for word, but anybody who disturbs my body will suffer fire, floods, and pestilence. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, this guy didn't die, but his house burnt to the ground, and when he tried to rebuild it, guess what happened?
1: There was a flood.
0: It was hit by a flood, mate. That's unfortunate. I mean, bit of a quinky dink, right? It is. I, I would say so. This brings us to George J. Gould. Yep. Who was a rich American financier. He visited the tomb in 1923 and immediately fell ill. He never recovered and died of pneumonia a few months later. Oh, God. Do you want to try that again without the yawn? Oh,
1: God.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And Um, now I have to keep it in. Yeah, that's... uh...
1: (laughs) But that is, again, really unfortunate and... Very unfortunate. Somewhat suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. suspicious.
0: (laughs) Aubrey Herbert, Lord Carnarvon's brother, who never actually visited the tomb, but still suffered its wrath just from being related to Lord Carnivant. Oh, wow. Yeah, you remember this is the guy who financed the whole excavation, yeah? Yeah. So he was actually going blind, and a doctor suggested that the cause of glasses. his blindness... <laughs> Pardon? <laughs> the doctor suggested glasses. He didn't, funnily enough. You oh. would have thought that might have been pretty yeah. sensible suggestion. I oh, know, uh...
1: I don't know what the word is um, in English, but it's oftalmog, isn't it, in French? What's it in English?
0: Uh, uh, Optician. Optician? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not. My doctor? (laughs) Yeah. So, yes, no, they didn't suggest glasses. They suggested removing all of his teeth.
1: That was my second guess.
0: (laughs) Yep. (laughs) 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 So they thought, we'll just remove all your teeth and then you won't be blind anymore. What? I'm, I'm sorry, I don't
1: understand. And this is in, like, the 20s?
0: Yeah. Or,
1: like, the 1930s, maybe, by the time. I mean, I don't have every date
0: of when people mad.
1: died. Sorry, but in what world?
0: All the deaths occurred in about, like, a 10-year But even uh, still, period. I'm
1: sure they knew in the 1920s and 30s that teeth and eyes... They're somewhat connected because they're in your head, but are they that connected?
0: I mean, again, I'm not a doctor. There could be a doctor out there screaming at us going, (laughs) yes, of course. It's obvious if you're going blind, you remove the teeth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: okay, fine. So they removed the teeth.
0: So they removed his teeth. However, he never regained his sight. Shocking. Yeah. Yeah. And he died from a blood infection, nice. just like his brother had done wow. five months previously. But I also feel
1: pulling all your teeth out that there's a high risk of infection.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. Did they give him antibiotics? Probably not. I mean, this doctor's suggesting removing all his teeth for blindness, so you know, <laughs> I don't know if antibiotics was an option yeah. for this for this guy. I don't know. But anyway, he it's still weird that he died. From a blood infection, just like his brother had done five months before, yeah?
1: I mean, it, it, it again, it's suspicious.
0: Yeah. And to keep the family tradition going, Lord Carnivan's half brother, Mervyn Herbert, died yeah. from malarial pneumonia. Oh, God. And what, how do you get malaria? Well, from a little insect bite. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Okay. So then we're on to our next victim called Aaron Ember. Hello, Aaron. Welcome to the show. You are going to die. <laughs> but this poor guy, again, it was just by association with those who had disturbed King Tut's rest.
1: Listen, this is why you need to be careful who you hang around with. We tell our you kids You are this. what you hang with. You're guilty by
0: association. So he was friends with many of the team that were present when the tomb was opened. His house burnt down. Although he could have escaped the fire, he returned into the burning building to retrieve a manuscript he'd been working on. And the name of the manuscript was The Egyptian Book of the Dead.
1: Wow. You're you're asking for trouble doing shit like that.
0: <laughs> I, love, I love the com. Says the girls <laughs> recording
1: a <the> podcast.
0: <laughs> Uh, we're not asking for anything, we're just like being informative, I feel yeah, yeah in 1928 A.C. Mace who was a part of the excavation team when the tombs were opened mysteriously died of arsenic poisoning oh so that's another one, bit the dust
1: I didn't think arsenic was detectable oh Tash (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm probably wrong. I'm probably wrong. Um, Maybe it doesn't taste.
0: No, there's no taste
1: to it. But you know, like, when you was a kid and you go to your mum, what's for dinner, and she'd say, arsenic on toast? No. (laughs) I'm assuming that's because you (laughs) couldn't... What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Did your mum never say that? No. Yeah, my mum did. (laughs) All right, (laughs) mum. Yeah, she'd say, um... You say, oh, what's for tea? Arsenic on toast.
0: Cool. Cool. Explains a lot. <laughs> Just casually <laughs> casually threatening your children with death.
1: <laughs> I'll say <it> to my
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, You can detect arsenic. So, there you go. Fine. I mean, hey. Again, not a doctor. And my Google search is very suspicious now (laughs) can you detect arsenic i'm so sorry
1: yeah it is now going to be really suspicious well but if ever we get framed we can refer back to this episode and hopefully i feel like
0: our listeners will have our back yeah please do it was all for the in the name of research
1: yeah exactly
0: So, Richard Bethel was Lord Carnarvon's secretary. Okay. And the first person after Howard Carter to enter the tomb. He died in 1929 after being smothered to death. Nice.
1: Smothered by who?
0: Well, we're not sure. Right. So, before this, he had had multiple fires at his home where were stored some of the artifacts from the tomb. So, he'd had multiple fires not died. Right. Kept the artifacts in his house and he ended up being smothered to death.
1: Again, you're just asking for trouble, aren't you?
0: So then his father, Richard Luttrell Pilkington Bethel. I don't know why I choose to say the full names. I mean, but you went there. I did it. I tried. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of middle name is Luttrell? A very posh one. Mm. So his father, Richard Bethel, then killed himself by throwing himself out of a seventh floor apartment. That's somewhat dramatic. His suicide note read, I really cannot stand any more horrors and hardly see what good I am going to do here. So I am making my exit. Oh
1: gosh, so dramatic.
0: So we're on to another victim. But RIP, do you know what I mean? Like- oh, 100%. But again, ancient Egypt artifacts in your house. Mm. Yeah.
1: From a cursed tomb. You're cruising, aren't you? You're literally uh, asking for trouble.
0: Cruising, yeah. Yeah. For the Americans out there or anybody who's not from England, cruising means cruising for a bruising. It does. So the next victim, Prince Ali Kamel of Egypt, visited the tomb in the summer. And when he got back, he was shot dead by his wife. Oh my
1: God. She thought he was having an affair. He was just (laughs) going to look at the artefacts. Yep. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why she shot him, but. She
1: was angry about
0: something. <laughs> she was pissed. He's not the only one to be shot because. Surly Stack, Governor General of Sudan, and one of yeah. the first to visit the tomb, was also shot dead shortly afterwards.
1: Right, but these are all pretty high powered people.
0: Again, yep. Yeah. Valid. So,
1: people want their power.
0: And also. People in power have a tendency to piss people off, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So, like,
0: it's not like a
1: debunking podcast, but I mean, like, we could,
0: we could, we could probably, if we wanted to, debunk every single episode we've ever yeah, done.
1: Do you know what I mean? Like, I just feel
0: like that's not our jam.
1: No, it's not our jam. Oh, I do love jam though.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> On a nice yeah. scone, bit oh, of cream, yeah. lovely. Oh, yeah. So we've got. Sir Archibald Douglas Reid. God, these are posh nice. names. So he was never part of the expedition, but he was the radiologist that x-rayed King Tut's corpse before handing him over to the museum authorities. Uh-huh. He became ill the following day and died three days later.
1: Behave.
0: No, seriously.
1: What did he die of?
0: They don't know. I think it's some mysterious illness. No. Yep. Well, but he does
1: work in hospitals, so he could have picked up anything.
0: And he's a radiologist, so, you know, and back then they probably weren't quite as careful as they are now with, the, like, the radiation and everything.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: But can we stop debunking my story? This is, no. oh, this is spooky you know, shit. Yeah,
1: sorry, I will. Yeah, no, it's fucking mad.
0: <laughs> Three days. <laughs> Perhaps the most ominous was the death of James Henry Brested. <laughs> Henry
1: Breasted
0: Breasted Breasted I'm hoping that's his name and that like my computer hasn't autocorrected it to randomly say (laughs) Breasted yeah
1: his name's actually just Smith
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh dear so James Henry Breasted who was a member of Carter's team so Howard Carter is the guy who found the tomb so shortly afterwards, he returned home to find that his pet canary had been eaten by a king cobra. Now, the king cobra was still in the bird cage when he got home. Right. I'm saying king cobra. I think it's royal cobra. So let's I'm just. I'm not gonna. Let's just say it's the cobra, yeah. A so snake. The, yeah. The, the cobra is a symbol of the Egyptian monarchy, and a motif that the kings wore on their headdresses for protection. Yes. It is. I remember. He did not die straight away, but in 1935, just after visiting Egypt again, he died immediately.
1: So, where did this king? Where did this cobra come from? Because where was he living?
0: In Egypt. Okay, so fair enough. Right. So they have cobras. Oh, sorry, I'm debunking again. You are.
1: You are. I'm just curious because if he was like living in
0: rural England. That would be spookier.
1: Yeah. Also, don't keep birds in cages. That's sad.
0: Yeah. Not a fan. No. But yeah, dead. So sad. So basically, he didn't die straight away, but he did get this kind of a bit of a coincidence of a symbol. Yeah. And then he, once he'd gone home, after he returned to Egypt, he died immediately. So it was like, you've come back. You're fucked up yeah you're dead, yeah, so of course, there are a lot of people who believe that the curse is a hoax, Cash?
1: wow, well, I don't know that I believe that it's a hoax because that is a lot of people in- like that is a lot of people in the same circle that have died, mm.
0: but a lot of it can be explained away.
1: It can, but also it's still a lot of people that have died, yeah, that have traveled or have some sort of input.
0: But again, you—I uh, don't know. Most of these guys are probably like elderly British people.
1: Why are they elderly when they died? I'm not sure. I think our preconception of an archaeologist is an older man. Yes, exactly. But actually, have you watched Time Team? They're not all old.
0: Well, there you go. Maybe not then. <laughs> I watched Time Team. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a great show. I watched that recently. Like I used to watch it when I was a kid with my parents and hated it. Watched it recently, was so into it. It's embarrassing, isn't it, getting older? No. Love it.
0: I mean, I got excited the other day because we got a fabric cleaner.
1: I mean, that is pretty exciting.
0: I mean, we cleaned our fabrics hard.
1: Yeah, I would have.
0: And we got so excited at the amount of filth that was coming out of our fabrics. We were like, Yeah, it's like
1: gross and grey all at the same time, isn't it?
0: Look how dirty this chair was. That's so yeah. disgusting.
1: You know, you're rock and roll, babes. What can I say?
0: I know. I used to be cool. Yeah, well, you know, Back we in all in the do. days when I was getting, smoking and getting fingered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So there's been theories of poisonous black mould that could have been circulating in the tomb or right. on the mummy and these people have had this black mold and inhaled it and that's why they've had this mysterious illness and died but the biggest question for me is why if there was a curse did Howard Carter not die because he was the first one in he was the one that found the tomb he was the yeah. one that like broke into it he was the one that opened up the sarcophagus. Uh Check me out. Well done. Fourth time. Yeah. He's also the one that took off King Tut's death mask. So, you know, the big, what we imagine, the big golden mask with the headdress and everything. So that's a death mask. So when he took that off, he actually decapitated King Tut. nice. Well done. And he also dissected... King Tut, so maybe
1: his curse was seeing everyone around him die, ah, and not knowing when he was going to die.
0: Exactly my next point. So he he lived, I think, another twelve years and died of lymphoma, which is you know completely explainable. Nobody's saying that's because of the curse. So was his curse in fact seeing how all his friends and acquaintances were all dropping like flies around him? Yeah, definitely. Was that his curse? That's scary, isn't it? But then again, his daughter, who was also present at the time of the excavation, she was fine and she lived until around 1980. So,
1: Or maybe as they walked into the tomb, they were very respectful and thanked Tutankhamun for having them there
0: and all that. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? We weren't there. We weren't there so prove us wrong (laughs) and again nobody else was there so if i've pronounced anything wrong how do you know (laughs) yeah so i guess it's up to the listeners you decide what you believe yeah i found that not only was the history absolutely fascinating i loved researching this yeah definitely it's cool isn't it but also the idea of a pharaoh's curse is cool as fuck right it is really cool And I wouldn't blame King Tut for cursing people who disturbed his rest and took his possessions and desecrated his body. You know, he had a shit life and he deserved better, really. Yeah, definitely. He, He deserved to be left alone.
1: That's the least we can do, isn't it, for people after they passed, regardless of how long ago it was.
0: Go in, have a look. Sure, no problem, but don't.
1: Yeah, don't open up the coffin and don't, don't
0: start decapitating people and dissecting them and studying them. And you mm. know, we don't need to know. I, if, you know, you can go. It's interesting. Don't get me wrong. You can go and Google what King Tut would have looked like because, of course, after all the MRIs and everything, they've been able to reconstruct what he, he yeah. have looked like. But we didn't need to know what he looked like. It wasn't no exactly. So anyway, so even though King Tut's curse is the most famous, there are other ancient Egyptian curses that maybe could give you a bit of food for thought. An Egyptologist named Walter Emery discovered a little statue of Osiris.
1: Babes, if you're trying to get me to
0: (laughs) clarify that, I don't know. Okay, we're going to say it's a statue of Osiris, who is the god of death. In 1971, this is when he found it, he returned to the site's headquarters and he brought the statue with him. He then went to shower and then his helper kind of heard a little faint cry come from the bathroom. And when he went in, he found that Walter was crying and actually he'd been paralysed all down the right side of his body and he died the next day.
1: Oh, bloody hell.
0: So in 2007, so compared to what we're talking about pretty recently. Yeah. The German embassy in Egypt received a package that turned out to be a stolen ancient Egyptian relic. It had an anonymous note with it saying that it was being returned as it had caused nothing but grief and anguish since being stolen. Too
1: little, too (laughs) late.
0: The thief had developed a fever and then been paralysed and had died. His stepson, fearing for the same fate for their family, sent the relic back to Egypt. So again, you know, with the paralysis and the dying. Yeah. So a book that was published in 1699 speaks of a Polish man who had bought two mummies from Alexandria with the intention of studying them. He was then haunted by two ghosts that he began seeing on the boat sailing back home. He promptly threw the mummies back into the sea and the apparitions vanished. So... What do you think?
1: I mean, I mean, it's it's a curse, isn't it? I don't know. I think so.
0: I don't know. I honestly don't know. But I thought it was cool. Yeah, really cool. I really enjoyed it. I really wanted to show off the fact that I could say sarcophagus. And
1: congratulations to you. You've said it well.
0: I can't say anything else <laughs> during that whole story. But I've got sarcophagus down. You have? Yeah.
1: So, félicitations well done congratulations thanks i am proud of you
0: oh thanks man
1: yeah well done i really enjoyed that thank you so much
0: good i'm glad you enjoyed it and becky that one was for you babes yep so we hope
1: you enjoyed it too
0: do you have got a listener story i think so i have
1: i've got a listener story and it was sent in to us and it can be found on reddit And it was written by the listener herself, I believe.
0: This is true. This is very true.
1: The Bones of Autumn.
0: Indeed. So thanks for the story. Yeah, thank you so
1: much. And let's see what we will make of this. So it starts. Here Polly Barnett is at rest from deepest grief and toilsome quest. Her cat, her only friend, remained with her until life's end. The story of Polly Barnett, the wandering widow of southern Indiana, who spent nearly 30 years searching for her missing daughter.
0: Oh, I mean, I'm depressed and we've only just started. Yeah,
1: I mean, can you imagine, like, 30 years you've made that your quest? So, it says, if you travel just north of Linton, Indiana, along Fairview Road, you'll spot a graveyard. We know how much I love a graveyard. Love it. Nestled amongst the many headstones in Fairview Cemetery is a marker well known to the locals. The stone itself is not unlike its neighbouring ones, a grey limestone marker with a name and a date chiselled into the rock. However, look closely and you'll find perched atop the marker a stone cat along with the faded inscription that reads, Here Polly Barnet is at rest. From deepest grief and toilsome quest, her cat, her only friend, remained with her until life's end. So, that's somewhat poetic. Well, I mean, it is, it is poetic. It is
0: poetic, but also quite depressing.
1: I mean, it is depressing. It, it, yeah, I mean, sad. She had no friends, apart from a cat, and she died from grief. But I like a poem, and I enjoyed it.
0: Oh, I, didn't, <laughs> I wouldn't have put you down for enjoying a bit of poetry, but there you go.
1: Yeah, I'm not against poetry. So, the headstone belongs to a woman named Polly Barnett. Polly's tale is one that is often told around campfires here in Indiana as a a ghost story of sorts. In reality, Polly's tale is one of grief, loneliness, and a mother's never-ending search of her missing daughter. Um, Who doesn't love a campfire story, though?
0: I mean, I feel like this is the right place, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. As so often happens through the years of retelling stories, the details are exaggerated to make for a better tale and will vary greatly depending on who is telling it. A flood in the early 1900s destroyed most official documentation relating to this story, making the truth even harder to distinguish from fiction. And you know what? We weren't there, so tell us we're wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's just gonna be our our thing now isn't it i think it's be- great isn't it we just whatever we say do you know what no, you weren't there so exactly
1: uh and if you were there shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> using newspaper archives and ancestry i've done my best to put together the story of polly barnett the wandering widow of southern indiana Despite her grace stating she was born in 1836, it is widely accepted that Polly was actually born in 1830 in Kentucky and moved to Indiana when she was a young girl. From all accounts, she had a good childhood. Her family were considered somewhat wealthy and Polly and her siblings were all well educated. Her two brothers became a lawyer and a judge. Around age 21, Polly married a man named John Jim Sexton, a very successful hunter and trapper. I
0: mean, great. You're not going to go hungry.
1: Yeah, but I, I wasn't expecting that to be who she married, so fine. Um,
0: what, John Jim? Well,
1: the fact that he's a hunter and trapper. She, Her brothers were lawyers and judge, Is, but anyway, it's fine. We're not judging you, John. You're a great guy. The pair bought a son... <laughs> The pair bought a small piece of land near Worthington, Indiana and built a cabin to live in. John sold furs and meats while Polly spent her days growing vegetables and herbs to sell in town. They regularly attended church and were a well-respected couple. Together, Jim and Polly had two daughters roughly four years apart named Sylvia and Angeline. Jim was called away to serve his country and left home to fight in the Civil War. Returning three years later with a nasty wound, soon after infection set in and Jim sadly passed away.
0: Oh that's so sad. Making it yeah, back from awful, war, isn't it? Only to die Yeah. At home. So sad. But at
1: least he was able to pass away at home with his family, so uh, Yes,
0: I suppose so. But you I don't know. You just think you're back from war, you're safe and
1: Yeah, it's awful, isn't it?
0: And again with the infections, man. Well no I...
1: It was a, it was rife, wasn't it?
0: Apparently so. Yeah.
1: Well, they didn't have the antibiotics that we have these days and, you know, hospitals probably weren't as clean and all that, so... Well, they definitely weren't, so it's somewhat understandable. Polly continued to work on the small farm whilst raising her two girls. She hired a farmhand named Henry Barnett to help tend the land and garden and eventually they married.
0: Did you know that penicillin wasn't invented till 1942? That's mad. Yeah, it's a
1: long time, wasn't it?
0: Well, that's not that long ago.
1: No, exactly. No, it's mad, isn't it? So they
0: accidentally discovered it in the 20s and then spent 20 years working on it. And then... Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah.
1: But also, look how far uh, medical science has progressed.
0: I know, that's mental. Like it's immense, isn't it? It's huge. Look yeah. how much we're learning from this podcast, Tash. I oh,
1: know. I oh, know. We're not just pretty faces, guys. Just before her older daughter's 18th birthday, she vanished. The exact details of her disappearance vary greatly. Some say she simply vanished in the middle of the night. Others indicate she disappeared while walking home from the neighbouring farm. I believe the second story has the highest chance at some level of accuracy. According to census records, Polly's eldest daughter had lived and worked for a neighbouring farm family for at least a year. According to newspapers, she would spend five to six days a week working for the family, then spend the other one or two days at home. On Sundays, when she was due to arrive home, she would walk to and from the houses. She never showed. Polly and Henry, of course, went in search of their missing daughter. Of Polly's daughter, because obviously it's it's Henry's stepdaughter. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, they went in search. However, they found absolutely no sign of her. The farm family told Polly that she had left as usual to walk home, and they hadn't seen her since. They found all of her clothing and personal items untouched.
0: Yeah, that sounds dodgy as fuck.
1: Yeah. So Polly spent the next few months searching for her missing daughter. However, when Henry contracted tuberculosis, she halted her search momentarily to care for her ailing husband. Sadly, Henry passed away, leaving Polly once again a widow.
0: She can't catch a break, can she? I know,
1: poor girl.
0: Poor Polly.
1: Mono. Less than a year after Henry's death, Polly's cabin was burned in a fire Oh my god! and she lost on. everything. Oh. I know, this poor woman. Soon after, she was forced to sell the small plot of land she owned in an attempt to survive, leaving Polly and her younger daughter penniless. Polly's health began to quickly decline with her youngest daughter in tow. They resumed the search for the elder daughter, relying solely on the kindness of others to survive. For years, they wandered around the southern Indiana in a never-ending search for Polly's missing child.
0: Oh, my God, this is so sad.
1: It's heart-wrenching, isn't it? They slept in the woods, in strangers' barns, and occasionally a kind family would allow them to sleep in their home. However, they never stayed in one place for long, as Polly insisted they kept up their search. When Polly's youngest daughter was around 16, she died of exposure and malnutrition. Oh, my for goodness God. goodness sake. She was buried in a local cemetery. However, shortly after her burial, the caretaker of the cemetery discovered her plot had been dug up and her casket pried open, and her body had been removed. That's
0: great. Bit of grave robbing.
1: Yeah. They located Polly to tell her about the desecration of her younger daughter's grave, only to find Polly covered in dirt, well aware of this fact. Oh gosh. <laughs> She informed them she didn't think it was a proper place to bury her daughter and moved her somewhere more satisfactory.
0: Polly sounds like she might have lost the plot a little bit at this point. I mean, it really, really does sound that way, doesn't it? Yeah.
1: Polly continued her search alone for nearly 30 years. She was seen walking in Green, Brown, Owen, Monroe, Davies, Martin and Sullivan County. Very frequently and is estimated to have walked nearly 50,000 miles in her life. Gosh, that's immense, isn't it? She is getting those steps in at some point during the search newspapers say roughly five years before her death polly had befriended and adopted a black stray cat according to all who knew her she was never without the feline whenever offered a place to rest for the night and some food polly would always split her rations with her cat she would often be seen conversing with the animal and mostly claimed it was her only friend that's very sweet and Really sad at the same time. But
0: cats are awesome. So I'm kind of... of, Yeah. I I talk to my cats all the time. Yeah.
1: I have a cat. I've obviously got a dog and she is my companion. And you talk to her, right? Oh, God, yeah. Like, I speak to her all the time, but...
0: That cat was like everything that woman had.
1: Yeah. And... But I totally get that. Obviously, I have my children, but when they're with their father for the weekend, having my dog at home literally... I'd be so lonely without her.
0: And I think cats can pick up on stuff like this. Like,
1: Yeah, definitely. Cats
0: probably obviously got nobody else to love it, but also knows that this woman could do with a mate.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Because if I'm sad or sick or anything, you can guarantee I'm covered in cats.
1: Yeah. But do you know what? Animals. People say dog is a man's best friend, but I think... I think it goes for all animals. When you've got that connection with your animal, I think they're the one, aren't they? And
0: I think, I mean, all my cats are rescues and people, you know, people don't believe me sometimes when I say they're grateful. They they know that they've been rescued mm. and you can tell that they're grateful and they're just so happy to be with you and they're yeah. so appreciative. And uh, yeah, cats have a memory that goes back about 10 years, so... Oh wow! Well, I'm glad that Polly found Puss Cat.
1: Found this little cat. Yeah. So most locals were always quick to lend a helping hand to Polly and lovingly referred to her as Grandma Polly or Auntie Pole. However, not all were as kind. The years of wandering had been hard on Polly, dressed in near rags and infested with parasites. Rumors swirled that she was demented and dangerous. And she would scare, kidnap, or hurt children. Oh my god! If left alone with them, I—I I mean, I don't believe no, that.
0: No, not for one second. She's just a lady that's losing her mind with grief.
1: Yeah, I reckon that's kids. You know when you know kids are bloody cruel, aren't they? That's kids saying that. I don't think that's. My opinion is that's not coming from adults. But hey, who knows? Children would often throw things at her, and some locals would shoo her away with a broom. Lucky
0: shit. And ourselves. Yeah, fuckers.
1: Yeah, horrible. In late 1899, Polly and her beloved cat returned to Linton one final time. She was tired and her health was declining quickly. A local woman took Polly in, caring for her free of charge. In February of 1900, Polly sadly passed away.
0: God bless that woman who took her I in. Know. Yeah, she definitely, she, deserves a medal. she definitely earned some feathers in her wings. Yeah,
1: she definitely did. On her deathbed, Polly made one final request that her beloved cat be set free to continue the search for her daughter. Oh. Locals cared for the cat for a short time, then obliged Polly's final wish and released the cat outside. A small box was placed inside of the church for donations to have a marker erected for Polly. Locals paid for her funeral and the funeral director, J.M. Humphrey, paid for the stone to be made.
0: Oh, that's nice. That's sweet, yeah.
1: Many rumours came to light about Polly's older daughter's death slash disappearance, but the truth of them is entirely unknown. It is rumoured that two local farmers, one whom she'd worked for, had killed her when one of them had got her pregnant. Supposedly, he made a deathbed confession about the murder claiming him and his friend killed her and threw her body weighted with bricks into the river the second man supposedly made the same confession on his deathbed as well another rumor is that two boys confessed to the murder claiming it was accidental they had wanted to scare her when she was walking home but when they jumped out from behind a bush she fell and hit her head Believing she was merely unconscious, they dragged her to the riverside and left her there to awake on her own. However, when they returned a short time later, she was dead and they chose to bury her in the sand.
0: Nice people.
1: Yeah. Either way, her body was never found and no one was ever charged with the murder. Polly's younger daughter's final resting place also remains a mystery. Who this that comes tottering down the lane, pitched by the frost and drenched by the rain, hungry, half-frozen, forsaken old pole, lugging her cat like a child would a doll. Adrift in this world, and crazy at that, with no other friend than her old black cat. Find the murdery girl's mother a home, poor, crazy, old critter, don't let her roam. For if there is a god, and you bet there is, pole Burnett is sure enough his." oh yeah so that is a poem written about polly in 1899 by e l pearson a self-proclaimed tramp poet from bedford indiana
0: wow
1: and that is the story of polly burnett
0: well thanks tash and thanks to the bones of autumn for sending Thank that you very to us because uh yeah right across our street but yeah we've basically just done two stories about People's tragic lives. <laughs> we really have, but it was a fun episode all the same. It was a fun episode all the same. Yep, and I can still say sarcophagus. You can, so <laughs> that's a win. If I'm taking anything from this episode, is I've learned how to say sarcophagus. That's all you need to take from this, to be yep. honest, babe.
1: Yeah, and that we no longer need to be clear of anything because none of us were there. We're, and no, you it you weren't there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh so i've had i've had fun i've had fun me too yeah me too so next week might be just me and tash again it's fine i've got multiple listener stories from you lovely lovely people and again if anybody wants to send in their listener stories you can reach out to us on facebook twitter instagram yeah you can email us the email is chillers.killers.pod at gmail.com yes that's how you yeah. finish an email address Yes, well done <laughs> and Tash so Tash deals with the Instagram and that's yeah
1: and um, that's scsk underscore podcast and that's also our Twitter and our TikTok account stay safe guys and keep it weird bye bye